Hello and welcome to the 12th episode of the Powerless Podcast. Uh, thanks for chiming in for this one. I am super excited for this episode. Um, in this one, I get to talk to Garrett Russell, vocalist and uh, lyricist of the band Silent Planet. Um, anyone who knows me knows this is one of seriously one of my favorite bands of all time. I did not expect to be able to get him on this early on in the show. So I was super excited to do this one. We went for a uh, good amount of time. This one's going to be the longest episode we've done so far. Um, and uh, I just really hope you guys like it. Garrett was awesome to talk to. He was. It was a really great conversation. Um, we started off with kind of talking about some political and social issues and, and also looking at um, – uh, some of Garrett's influence in his lyrics, whether it's from authors like C.S. Lewis or, you know, different philosophers and different, um, like I said, social and political issues that maybe don't get talked about a lot in this genre of uh, progressive metal or metalcore. Um, so it was it was a super fun conversation. We talked about kind of the toxicity of online politics and partisanship in this country. We talked about. Um, we talked about kind of, like I said, Garrett's influences with with um, where he's at, where he came to the kind of the ideology and understanding he has. We talked about Christianity, um, kind of gave him my spiel on it, and uh, went back and forth a bit on the um, ethics of, of things and how um, a lot of times belief gets co-opted into being used for some really reactionary bad things when there's a lot of good that can come from spirituality and beliefs. Um we also dive into um, later on in the episode two of their songs, one of the newest ones from their record Iridescent called Alive as a House Fire. Garrett uh, kind of talks about something for the first time on this podcast about that song that he hasn't talked about before that was really interesting concerning the music industry in the wake of uh, the, George Flo- the George Floyd protests um, and uh, and kind of like the business tactics that were kind of maybe a bit cynically driven behind some people's sudden decision to talk a bit briefly about social issues when they didn't before. Um, we also talk about native blood and some implications behind that. And overall, it was just a really good chat about um, things that Garrett and I both really uh, really find interesting and really find important. Um, so I really hope you guys enjoy it. If you're new to the podcast, which this one might get a few new viewers, um, make sure to follow on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, um, and also email me at thepowerlesspod at gmail.com. All of those handles are at thepowerlesspod. Uh, please reach out if you want to be on the show, whether you're a musician, producer, songwriter, whatever, as well as community organizer or political advocate in any way. I like to talk to both um, musicians, people in the music industry, and uh, people that are focused on social and political issues. It's kind of what this whole podcast is about, and that's why this episode was great because it was kind of both best of both worlds. So I just uh, I really hope you guys enjoy it, um, and uh, and like I said, just just uh, reach out to me afterwards, like and subscribe, hit all those buttons on wherever you listen to podcasts, so you get kind of notified of the next ones coming up. We have some really great up and coming bands coming out on here uh, next with uh, bands like with Sales Ahead. Um, there's also going to be some other ones that are getting recorded um, that'll be up in the next coming weeks. So just uh, again. Thanks for checking this out. And without any more rambling than I've already done, here is Garrett Russell, vocalist of Silent Planet on the Powerless Podcast. All right. Um, I'm here with uh, Garrett Russell from Silent Planet for the Powerless Podcast. Uh, 
I know I just said this before, but Garrett, Garrett how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Yeah, just um, this is uh, it's it's nice to be here. I'm glad we could put this together so fast. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, you know, I've been a I've been a fan of your band for a long time. I actually found out about it from another podcast, like back in 2017 or 2018 Whoa. or something. Um, what podcast do you I, remember? Uh, it was it was the lead singer syndrome oh, lead one singer, with yeah. Uh, Shane. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, you're like the one person that's been on there. I think like three times, three times, <laughs> or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I right right after that, I I saw you at the tour with. Um, you know, years are off for me. I don't know if it was 20, it's just pre COVID is how I can view time. But, but I was with, uh, August Burns, Red and Silverstein. 2019. And yeah. Got, yeah. 2019. Okay. And, um, and that was when I, I really, really, really got into the band. Cause you know, even for like an opening set, which sometimes like at a house of blues venue or something, they, they like, it feel, feels like sometimes they intentionally kind of lower the volume for an opening band or something like that. You guys just knocked it out of the park and I got to chat with you for a little bit after, and it was just uh, it's really fun. So I started doing a deep dive on your band. And um, you guys are probably now one of my favorite bands I've found over the past decade or so. For, wow, thank you. For, yeah, for, for a couple of reasons. Like, you know, one, obviously, I'm a big fan of the, you know, more modern metal, metalcore, progressive metal, whatever you want to throw out there yeah. genre. And I'm also somebody that's like very into, you know, social issues and, and politics and history and literature and, and all those kinds of things. Um, and so that's like right up the alley of what you tend to uh, write about a lot. Right. So, um, so, you know, for, for starting off, like one of my, one of my favorite books, and I know people don't usually like to talk about, uh, like the origin of a band name, but even like one of my favorite books, uh, that I've read over the past several years was, was out of the silent planet and that whole trilogy, and, you know, Abolition of Man and some C.S. Lewis books and things like yeah. that. Um, and I, I saw even from the most recent album that uh, Till We Have Faces, clearly a a uh, a reference to the book from C.S. Lewis is in there. So you're still, you know, four records in over a yeah. decade later, still referencing C.S. Lewis. Right. So yeah. um, so ha- has has a lot of like. Uh, you know, obviously you, you write about things through history and things like that. And I'd like to actually kind of go into and deep dive some, some songs and kind of reference some, some social and political issues with you, if that's cool, that kind of go along with those. Um, but as C.S. Lewis, just like all of his different writings, what kind of about that is something that you keep going back to for, for, or, or other books as well, um, that for, for lyrical content and influence and all those things? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think. I think the, the reason why Silent Planet really stuck well for us is that I can't say that it's like a book that I love. It's not like a book yeah. that I feel like as a whole I go back to a lot. Um, the name actually came from uh, is in 2009. Um, our uh, drummer at the time, who's still a good friend of mine, um, we were just we had like band names that we were throwing around and then he was like, what about silent planet? And, um, um, it, it's his favorite book. Okay. Um, he hasn't been in the band, uh, since 2012, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, I, I think the name, the name stuck. And I think the reason it stuck <clears throat> and the thing about like the core con or for me, I guess the core concept 
in silent planet is this idea that like we are humans uh we are like the bent people that like there's something that's kind of out of whack with us that that really leads to like the existential condition of like um like we live inside our own universes sort of a meaning and, and it's a very it can be a very lonely experience a life can because uh we try to communicate with language, but uh, language is often very, you know, ineffective of a tool um, and, and sometimes kind of furthers the divide for people. And I, I think that idea um, really resonated with me. And I think that's an idea that um, if you look for it, kind of pops up a lot um, in, in, in the, uh, the lyrical themes and in sort of the, the stories we're telling um, <clears throat> and how we tell them. So, yeah, I, I think that, um, I think, I, I think that in that way, Silent Planet, the book is very relevant for us um, as a band. And I think, yeah, I just, um, <clears throat> you know, I've always admired a lot of C.S. Lewis's writing and I, I don't, I don't think you really have to be of a, I mean, I think some of his work is pretty explicitly like for Christians or for people that want to know more about the Christian faith. But I think a lot of his writing too is just pretty like wise spiritual writing and stuff that, um, yeah, I, I think a lot of people from different backgrounds and traditions can, can get a lot from, um, but I, yeah, I, I think, uh, and some of it's just too, I just like his, the way that he does language, if that makes sense. I like his, it does his, his mastery of the language uh, on an aesthetic level too. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And to, to, to talk about that a little bit with, with that writing and he is one of those few authors that is like clearly, you know, there's, there's no ifs, ands or buts that it's like, you know, Christian focused writing some of the time but you know even like abolition of man which is one of my favorite writings he did that was more like you know i think it's it's i'm a little fuzzy on it because it's been a couple of years since i read it but it was you know some different lectures and things he had done that essentially looked at the question of is is morality um you know like a subjective construct does it exist would it exist outside of things like god or religion and in some ways at the end of it, kind of the conclusion he says is that, yes, like it, like there is some a semblance of morality and spirituality and, and, you know, things of that nature outside of, outside of, you know, Christian religion or spiritual focus, which was really cool to read from someone that, you know, is, you know, clearly, you know, clearly has their own faith that they, that they write about, but they still looked at things very objectively and intelligently and and it was easy to read which a lot of that stuff sometimes goes a little over my head when you when you have those big question you yeah. know existential writings and he sells he finds a way to not dumb it down but make it accessible for someone like me where you know some of those writings from other people might be just as good or better but like the vocabulary can pull you off or it's very like educational yeah it can get so steeped language. in academic language that like yeah yeah you, you would need courses and previous topics to even begin to like unpack it. Yeah. I, I think that's a, one of the great gifts of CS Lewis is really like having a heart for communication with uh, everyone. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for me personally, and this is another reason why I really, ha you know, I think I really started getting into your band is I, I grew up very 
very religious and like an evangelical Hmm. conservative background. I'm not that anymore by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but it was, it's cool to both read from that and also see through your guys' lyrics. And I know, you know, no one likes, we're not going to talk about the label of Christian band or whatever the hell that even means anymore. It doesn't mean anything, right? Like it was, you know, um, it's just what people write about and what their influences are and what their perspectives are from any topic. Right. But, but I liked seeing things from your band, um, that while you have that, that influence and that background and that faith and everything else that, um, that you were still writing about things that I like connected with me morally, where I felt like part of the reason why I left my beliefs in the church and things like that a lot was because I just didn't agree with what I was hearing all Mm -hmm. the time. Right. Like, you know, um, I'm part of, you know, you, you, you go through all these different phases of, of jadedness and that acceptance and all those kind of things. And I'm not here to talk about me, but what, what, what I mean is, you know, that's where like the connection of your lyrics were like, I don't know. And there's more bands with those influences now, which is cool to see that, you know, you can, you can have that background and yet you don't have to stick into this cliche pigeonhole of, you know, evangelical reactionary beliefs that really, if you look into theology are are at odds, right? Like, like that's, that's another great thing I kind of pulled from your band, you know, getting into the content and everything. Yeah. That's definitely something that blew my mind to learn about, uh, when I was in college and just started like reading more and was directed to read, I guess, um, a lot of helpful materials realizing that like, you know, American evangelicism or some people would say like Christian nationalism or some people might use the term dispensationalism. Um, when it comes to eschatology, uh, all that stuff is like actually fairly in the scope of, christian history is all like very new um right and a lot of times it's given to people like well this is traditional christianity and you know anything else is a deviation from it and actually know that no i think a lot of traditions might say this is heretical um was really helpful and empowering to me because it always seemed wrong on its face uh like when you read about just jesus if you just read the actual books of the gospel um and then you like i don't know hear what comes out of like christian conservative reactionary people you're like this doesn't really like feel right right but to have someone unpack that for me that that was huge i think that was really huge yeah yeah and 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 it kind of goes back to just like yeah what are you looking at what what is the what what is the focus here because like i don't know um i've recently even in my own views where like i've you know kind of view myself as atheist or agnostic or whatever you know that that i've tried to look more at those views of like what what i would like to to have community with with people that believe spiritually right Mm. like that you want to get together to have like better community better you know like to help your fellow man and everything else and like you don't do that on either side of the spectrum by wagging your finger at something saying that's wrong you know your belief system is wrong it's like no it's what you get out of it and what you do with it like are you reading the red letters in the bible and and seeing the things of talking about you know literally um you know literally like viewing wealth hoarding as like as 
you know, wrong, you know, morally and wanted yeah. to better, you know, people that were ostracized by society at the time and all these different things. Um, and that kind of pulls into, uh, you know, your guys's music where, you know, some of the different songs from like, you know, whether it was socially, like with when the end began with like a song, like visible unseen or, um, or no place to breathe and different things like that, where like, you don't hold back on the thought of like, this is something that I think, and can, like you said, I, I should stop using probably Christian and say more like conservative, reactionary, evangelical, whatever else that, that they might have the, you know, an opposite view of this, but you can look at it from a biblical perspective or a spiritual yeah. perspective. And it's like, I don't know, in my opinion, at least clearly the opposite, right? That you should be caring for people and, and just loving people. And that's, you know, you can boil it down to that symbol of terms and have your, your social yeah. outlook foster from that. Right. I think so. And I think that, um, I think, a a lot of, a lot of Christians, a lot of well-meaning, uh, Christians, even, um, I think have, potentially accidentally sort of created a distinction between like justice and the gospel. Um, even for, you know, folks who admire both or try to try to emulate both, they, 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 they see them as separate phenomenon that you have like social justice and you have like the gospel of Jesus. But, um, it's, it's pretty apparent that those are one in the same. Um, right. Uh, and I, I think we do, we've, a lot of Christians have done a disservice, uh, to the message of Jesus. Uh, and, um, that, and it's, a, I mean, that goes back to St. Augustine. I think that goes to the, the Platonic view of reality, um, that Augustine sort of, I think, like kind of like stepping on shit and walking into someone's house, kind of like tracked into right. like the gospel on accident, in my opinion, and sort of like brought forth, you know, notions of, of just like the extreme dualism, you know, and like a disembodied mm. spirituality, which I think, um, really is, is part of the issue there, but there's, you know, we don't have to get lost in the, uh, okay. get, get, get lost in the nuances of that. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think that it's, it's essential that, um, people, people who want to follow after the, uh, gospel understand that like, there's no gospel apart from like loving these poor people and these destitute people and these disenfranchised people. Um, and I think a lot of times those terms can so much become like buzzwords and stuff, even on yeah. line that, uh, it's like people have an image of what that is, but then they don't like, it's easy to like miss it if you, yeah. And, and that's kind of where, that's kind of like where I, I, I would be just as quick to challenge a lot of people that are like, I don't know, like reductive physicalist, super, I guess like reductive physicalist, like super, I guess like non spiritual practicing people is like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I guess my question almost to, to those folks might be, and maybe you could help me out with this is like, how are you, how, how are you able to deny the self enough to like 
to, to do things that are uncomfortable and do things that are, you know, maybe counter to like your own progress. Um, if you're not, you know, already sort of practicing something that teaches you that like your happiness, that what is, is comfortable and pleasurable for you is, is not actually what's important because that's, that's an uncommon belief. I think like, that, yeah. like I, I can't tell you how many bands I've toured with or like on warp tour out here at every day. People are like the only fucking thing that matters in life is do whatever makes you happy. Fuck everything else. Yeah. Is like, is, is a really common belief. If not the most common belief that's being promoted at like a rock show. Yeah. Um, and I'm not here to be like, you're going to hell no. if you do that. Or like, I hate you for doing that, but I am going to be like, how are you going to really make a meaningful change in this world? If you only do what makes you happy all the time, because uh, growth, I think in, in growth in, in making a change and like stopping and talking to a homeless person and like getting to know that person so that they're no longer a homeless person, but they become like a person with a name, you know, uh, mm -hmm. Freddie, uh, you know, right. and you know, like where they're coming from. I, I do wonder how people really are prepared to do that, that aren't, I think in some way going on a spiritual journey. And I don't think it ha I, I'm not even really someone that's interested in being like, it has to be my journey or my tradition, but people just like completely apart from it. There is no spirit. There's no other unseen world. Right. I do wonder like, how are you, how are you going to do justice? I don't think it can't be done, but I, I do wonder about that. You know? Yeah. I think, I think a big part of that is, you know, I think, I think there's a way to, to have, um, to have those same similar feel, you know, I, I, I to, to go back to what you're talking about with, with music and, and how like, there's a big message of like, you just said, like, fuck everybody else do what makes you happy because that's what at the end matters. And it, I think the implication is that, and I think to some extent it's true at a mass scale, unfortunately, is that people every, you know, people have had that happen to them so much that other people make decisions for their own happiness yeah. and their life that they need that to be empowered. Are, yeah. 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 That, that, that end up jading them to where like that person did that for this, you know, that person, I saw them do a horrendous thing, whether it was, you know, um, to them or someone they saw, you know, yeah. a, a loved one or whatever else. And so you kind of get this critique where, where you feel like everyone else is just out there for themselves. So why, why am I going to be out there for other people where, um, where all that's going to do is going to create my own, my own unhappiness. And, and, as, and you feel like it might not be making anything better for anyone else even. Right. And I'm not saying that's correct. I'm just saying, yeah. I think on a mass scale, that's how if, especially in, I mean, globally, yeah, but like to, to be on a soapbox for a little bit, like, I think that's also pushed big time in the United States of individualism and, and just like, you know, everyone's problems are their own personal moral failings and, you know, and, and so when you see that, that's, you know, that say a homeless person or someone that's struggling with addiction or somebody that's, you know, or a community that's, that's, you know, um, desperate and has crime issues or whatever else, like that, that's a morally moral failing of an individual or a group of people. And it's like, no, that's, that's like a societal ill, you know, and, yeah. and those people have just as much, um, uh, what am I looking at? Like just as much of a right to happiness and fulfillment as anybody else. And yeah. when 
there's a difference in associate. And this is where I, I, I get in the weeds of like just numbers and stats and all that kind of stuff. But I'm like, here for it. it really does. Yeah. It really does boil down to just like hoarding of things, you know, people that, that, that are in excess while other people are in need. And, and, you know, you don't have to be some like socialist weirdo like I am to, uh, to, to at least recognize that like there are ways to be collective in the sense of just like mm. caring for your neighbor and caring for, um, caring for each other. And if, if that message is promoted in a loving way, that's not judgmental, which I think is another problem that can happen, especially online or something. Um, you know, just meeting people where they're at, loving people and wanting to, yeah. you know, whether it's even on a smaller scale, um, you know, w- want to make things f- for the betterment of the community. And and I, I, I think like spirituality, I've come around to the fact that like spirituality does help with that more than like secularism sometimes for a lot of people, because you have this, you have this, com- you know, inherent communal aspect, right? Like you have, you know, yeah. um, that's a big part of it. Yeah, that that crosses, you know, socioeconomic statuses yeah. can cross like cultures and all that. And and so that's where I think if it's viewed in the right way, it is a helpful tool. I, it took me a long time to come around to that. I about 10 years ago, I kind of left my my own faith and stuff like that. I was so jaded that like every problem was religion. And it's like, no, actually every problem is like a society is like a, is is in society. It's not because somebody believes something. It's because people have certain views that that are so I know I'm just rambling here, but, but, you know, people have just certain views that, um, that are just passed down and, and, and become nihilistic or just so individualistic yeah. that, that they kind of lose the plot, I guess, you know? Yeah. And I, I think a lot of it's, yeah, it's weirdly, um, it's, it's, it's this like subtly sinister kind of thing that happens where like a lot of really harmful ideology gets, just sort of baked in and Mm -hmm. even though it's maybe never it's never explicitly uh stated it's kind of implied for a lot of people that like part of being um you know a christian is 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 all these other political assumptions and yeah you know and that's why i think the term deconstruction is so common these days because uh you know there's a lot of negatives that have come with, you know, the internet, social media, also a lot of positives. And one of those is like stuff that like I learned in college, I'm old. So like I was in college, I I went, I I was a freshman in college in 2008. And like, I learned a lot of stuff that now I feel like I just read on the the internet all the time, you know, but like, to me, I was like, whoa, like the Bible doesn't actually explicitly talk about homosexuality. They're talking like about like, forced pederasty like that's crazy you know like that was a wild thing and now it's just like i can like read that on the internet um you know if you follow Mm -hmm. like the right people and and so i I think that as that intermittent information's been disseminated i do think that a lot of people's imaginations are being liberated i think uh you brought up a great point with community um i think that that's i think that's another failure of modernism i was i was talking about this with um my bandmate yesterday, how like, <laughs> and this is, this is true. I, I said this sentence to him and he started laughing hysterically. I said, looks like a guy in an emo band canceled himself yesterday. <laughs> it, I saw that. Yeah, like, he started laughing like it, it be, because it's such an absurd thing to say, but it's true that a guy 
um, you know, not going to get into it like a bunch, but basically more or less it's like, I'd been unfaithful to my partner and I need to go to therapy, which is great. Go to, you know, I, yeah. I think we all like if I, you know, if we all could access therapy at all times, I think that that would be an ideal world. Um, I don't know if there's yeah. enough therapists to meet the need if ever, if all of humanity started going all at once, but I do think that would be excellent. And I am biased. I, I was a therapist at one point in my life, but anyways, I, um, uh, I said that and, and he was like, wait, what? So I tell him, yeah, this guy was, uh, I, I think I, I actually, I'm assuming, sorry, this person was, uh, unfaithful to their partner and, uh, they basically made a public confession and said, I need to go to therapy, which is great. But then also said like, and I'm canceling all future tour dates and stuff to work on that. And while that's absolutely their prerogative to not tour, I think that um, a lot of people took that to in the context of normally when someone's like, Hey, this person is like taking advantage of people or this person's like really a predatory person. This person's a danger to, uh, to folks. Um, and sort of just said, I don't belong there. And this launched into this whole discussion of like, you know, uh, my band member mentioned that like my band member, my band member was like, you know, I bet you a lot of this person's fans, like have like seven partners uh, either ethically yeah. or unethically. Maybe they haven't, you know, disclosed that to all of their partners or maybe they do. And, and their point was, they're just like, it's so interesting that to this person, this thing is like this, horrific like moral wrong thing that's so bad that they don't even deserve to like live their dream and play music like they, they deserve right. to be like thrown in the bin sort of um and to other people they were just like oh that, that's what that's every tuesday for me or something you know and, yeah. and the point is like that my band member was making was like you can have these different people that are all like you know, on, on the, on the surface, you would think they agree. They're all like, yeah, I'm not a religious person. I'm, I'm a leftist or a liberal or a socialist, whatever. I'm like all these things. But then when it comes to especially like sexual um, expectations or ethics, people can vary so much. And because we now live in a society that I think a lot, people are much less like traditioned, like in the sense that like, you, you know, used to be people like, oh, I'm a Catholic or I'm a Protestant or I'm an atheist. And these things really like told you a lot about like just, you know, there was a whole laundry list of things you could expect from it maybe. But I think now we live in such a post-religious kind of more of a secular society that you have this interesting phenomenon where like people are just kind of assuming that other people think the same way about ethics or, or, or like right and wrong and morality because it's like we we're, everything's just kind of this like nebulous like it's it's just very nebulous what people believe and what's expected of them and while right. you have these really important social movements like the me too movement that's like finding uh, these people typically men in power that are using their power to very uh, explicitly manipulate people uh, for their own gain and their own pleasure um, that sort of spilled out into this question of like, okay, like, well, what, like where, you know, the gray area where the dark gray for sure that's wrong. But then there's this like light gray to some people it's white to other people it's black. And there's a lot of confusion. It's kind of like a tower of Babel moment 
that's exactly what I was thinking when you said that. Like, I know I saw that. And like, obviously, like the main thing I saw because of certain bands I follow or some funny people, it's like people just kind of Making making jokes. light of it because they thought, yeah, because they thought it was so silly in a lot of ways. Right. But like, there is that question of like, yeah, what when there's no when you go from things of like a clearly, you know, like you said, that that moving started at a very sound place where it's like. Uh, you're talking about people that did crimes against people. Right, if it right. wasn't a legal crime, it was a right. moral crime, like a clear, like, and, and in the, you know, and like, it would be like dealing with say like a producer to an actor or an actor to another actor. Really, it was like an explicit power dynamic. Yeah. Power dynamic or a power dynamic. And also like somebody that w- could just be like rampantly doing, you know, sexual violence or right, something like right. that. Right. And then, and then it boils down to, well, my my own personal life is not perfect and i did something that was bad or i view as bad and so now now my my career is over and it's like it's not like you're sitting we're not sitting here saying that person talked about that that was a good thing that they did or something but you're like it's very confusing that this is where and that and that it was also that the person you know we're just using this as an example right but like that, that person that does that for themselves so where it's like such a weird phenomenon that you're like i don't even know what 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 the where the the barriers are on this or what defines this and it's because there are such like like you said there's just such a cloud over like what is uh what is the point right like and it's it's not about being a a morally perfect person that therefore you have to you know if you if you have a moral failing then your life is over it's it's about like it's about yeah. like a social dynamic, right? Yeah. And then when that gets yes. lost in the plot, it's like it's like it, it just get, becomes so so opaque. Like you don't even un- understand where did this was coming from. Like I think that's why people were making jokes because it just felt so odd. You know, like it was very felt very odd. And yet I bet that's not the only person where something like that has occurred. It was just oh, one that I, went viral. You know what I, I mean? I, like I, I'm not gonna name people, but I toured with some. Not. I was on Warp tour with someone uh years and years ago um and i i feel like a year or two after warp tour they were like canceled they were like kicked out of their band and you know don't can't i don't think there's they, they've done any like thing publicly since then because they they were called out for cheating on their uh partner on while they were on tour and um i remember seeing that and that that never left me like because i was like whoa like that's that yeah like the 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 line is has moved quite a bit from from what i thought it was you know from this thing that like right we can all agree that it's really wrong for someone to say you know the only way like like you'll never get work again if you don't do these things which is like just blatant gross manipulation and it had moved mm-hmm. to this person like did this thing. And I, 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 I thought it was, um, I, 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 I really wonder how much of it is like the, the hubris of like the modern world is like, people think that they can think anything that they can just completely sort of like leave behind old patterns and thought structures and social structures and that there won't be any sense of like uh, a strain, like alienation or, or confusion. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, so now that people don't have 
their pastors because the, you know if a pastor cheats on their wife they lose their job typically right because right, they're right. supposed to be this moral arbiter um mm-hmm. and it's interesting to see that a lot of people want to hold musicians to that standard and i can't help but wonder if that is because at, at some level even i i think subconscious for most people they do de- they mm-hmm. desire like role models and arbiters that they can sort of like aspire to be and and i think because you add in that music can do so much to our emotions in our heart that it can speak to people's emotions that when they find out that this musician they liked is is not even the worst person on earth you know it might not be an r kelly situation but this musician is basically just as crappy as as they're capable of being or or did something to someone that their ex did to them they feel so betrayed because they're just like I held you so close, but I can't help but wonder if some of that confusion is like we, a lot of people don't have like communities and hierarchies and have like actual role models. And so then we naturally do that with now with famous people, whether it's, it's a musician or it's uh, a lot of times like actors or, or, or athletes, you see a lot with athletes, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, like uh, many instances of like domestic violence. uh, um, Right. um, And and there's there's a whole nother discussion about why that might be including just like the rampant abuse of testosterone and stuff. But, um, um, you know, you see you see a lot of like uh, domestic abuse in sports and people are just like looking at that like wow, this, this athlete that I like cheered and glorified and I wear their Jersey and, and they feel betrayed. But then part of it is like, I think people need to look inside and be like, why was I glorifying this person? What, what, right. what is what it did- in me that needed to glorify this person? Because I, assuming this person didn't say like, look to me as someone to glorify. Cause I've even, I, I, I feel like maybe more than the, some other metal musicians I've had people I think put me in places I didn't want to be because I do talk right. about faith. I talk about struggles. I talk about stuff, but like I've like, I, I pretty much every time I've ever been asked to like speak at a church or whatever, I'm like, I'm good. Like I don't, yeah. I, 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 I'm not making music to do that. And just because I'm talking about faith, I'm not making music for the explicit purpose of like, you know, when the, when silent planet's over, I'm going to like start a church and, and, uh, <laughs> right. and be this like religious leader that people can like look up to. Because if anything, when I'm writing lyrics, I usually am like writing from a confessional. Like I see my shortcomings. I see the flaws and the hypocrisy in myself because I, and if there's any message I could ever want someone to get from our music, it would be like, do you see all the problems in this world? Okay. Now see that those problems in yourself now. Yes. Yeah. And and like, it doesn't stop there, but I think it starts there. Yeah. I I think, and I think, I think what you're saying there makes so much sense. Like you bring up, you bring up, you know, professional athletes in that instance, right? Like, you, you know, I think that's even a better example than musicians, because as you said, like musicians, like you said for yourself when you've been put in situations where like you might write about something that really connects with somebody on a political social spiritual level or whatever and so then i think that kind of parasocial aspect of media in this day and age especially when we're all so connected and people can see their favorite singer or 
or a guitar player or whatever, like they can connect with them literally on social media directly, right? Through messages, comments, whatever. And it's more of like, I don't know, it's, it's become this whole weird parasocial relationship. Um, and, and, and in that instance, it's still, it's still, um, it's still, I think kind of like, like you said, it's not this, this pastoral aspect that people kind of have kind of put in their minds, maybe on a sub subconscious level, but for athletes, it's even more of a kind of confession of that kind of part of society where it's like, you like that person because they're really good at a physical activity. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no, there's no, you know, like a sport is not inherently or, or acting even or something is not, not an inherently. Yeah. It's not inherently, emo you know, it could be emotional. It's not inherently like moral, um, it's ed amoral. educational it's like, aspect. Yeah. Especially yeah. In sports. It's like, they're doing just a particular task that everyone else. Yeah understands what they're doing and people can do it in some most people can do it in some capacity this person can just do it faster and better and more efficiently right and 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 yet you know with with social movements and the connection of celebrity to 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 kind of like the broader scope especially with social media and and you know television media and all that kind of stuff where their voices are heard because they have a following then all of a sudden say say somebody says something that you don't agree with politically but they're an athlete like Where's the line that all of a sudden that means that you don't follow them anymore or you don't like that they're on your favorite basketball team as an example or something. And it's like, yeah, and it's like I get where like people maybe you don't want to see what that person has to say all mm -hmm. the time. But like, why do you no longer like seeing how well they're they they are at at, at three pointers? Right. Or or at yeah. or at running the ball in football or something. You know, you know, I could go on and on with examples, but it's so interesting. Like, I've never thought about it the way you said it in relation to like what people used to have with traditional structures where we're not putting a value judgment on whether or not you should have those, you right, know, that right. whether or not there's, but it's just that without those people, I think still, you know, we all still want to have something to look up to. And I think there's just like, like we've, we've said a couple of times, like there's, there's just such this weird gray area of what that even means anymore. Right. Yeah. Like, and yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and yet you also, you feel, and yet there's no nuance say on the internet. So then the next thing you know, if you say, Hey, like that doesn't necessarily matter with why you are interested in what this person does, then it's like, Oh, you're condoning what that person's saying on a social, you know, like, or whatever yeah. else. Right. Like, but that's a whole other problem, right. Of just lack of nuance and conversations anymore. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like the, yeah. I, I once saw someone like a couple of years ago describe Twitter as like <laughs> the intentionally like intentional misinterpretation dialogue. Yep. Cause you do it's, get it's, a lot of that where there's this, and it's sometimes I think it can be like openly fun and mischievous. And other times I think it can be a bit more sinister, but you see people, you know, responding to, um, you see people responding to a lot of stuff, like clearly like trying to interpret that in like, a way that's that's kind of obscure but but could really kind of turn things it's funny i i recently my friend you know that whole uh the emo band canceled band, themselves yeah. thing uh my friend responded like quote tweeted it and was like is this seems crazy i forget like he said something about it seemed crazy and then i just replied with my off-the-cuff thought where i was like told this person i i think it's wild that like rock musicians went from like i'm literally a criminal like like <laughs> like i'm literally a criminal don't trust me like 
like I'm a bad person. Like, um, in the, in the like less, like less disgusting would be like, I don't know, like I'm violent. Like I, I just hurt people, uh, you know, and it, uh, like, and by me, by that, I mean like, yeah, because varying, cause some, some bands were even straight up, like, um, talking pretty openly about, you know, wanting to be with underage people and that's bad. Yeah. Right. But, but in my tweet, really I just bad. simply yeah. said, you know, it's crazy that rock musicians went from like, I'm literally a criminal to like, I've sinned and I'm no longer worthy of playing music. And, and right. um, and then he had, and then he and he in turn like retweeted that. And I was, I've just been, I, I was kind of, when he saw, I saw you retweeted it, I was like waiting to see if someone's going to be like, Oh, so you think that was cool how it used to be. And it's like, no, that's not the point. I'm just trying to no. observe this phenomenon to see like how interesting that is that like, that was what rock music was, was like, it's in some weird way. Like, I don't know, like, like, people enjoying this fact that like they're a bad person and now like this thing where it's so on the opposite that it's like yeah they had a moral failing and unlike an electrician or a firefighter um or a or a banker a lawyer that like they should lose their job because they were unfaithful to a partner um right which like i feel like society typically reserved for like i i think clergy people and politicians i i feel like yep. we're, we're and maybe even, the ones. even anymore even anymore is it politicians i don't know <laughs> yeah know? i guess it like, depends on like <laughs> yeah like how how gnarly it was or like how illegal it was or maybe just how like much of it had to do with their i i do remember like a one some lady was lost like some lady lost her job in politics and she was like doing like, I, I don't remember what, but it, it was like ethical and consensual. Um, it was like, I don't know. It's like, like probably a po poly polyamorous poly relationship thing. or something. Yeah. And she lost it. And, and I remember that was years ago. And there was such an interesting double standard there though, that I think a lot of, I think a lot of, of people speculated that, especially male constituents maybe would just have a, like had this problem with like this person being, um, so like, uh, you know, like rebelling against the social norms while like representing them or something politically. Um, even though, and, and I remember that one struck me because it was like, had, had really nothing to do with the person's job or an abuse of power. It was just kind of like this person does what they this do in thing. their personal life. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, and, but it was so outrageous, but I, and I, I think that, as as culture moves towards being more accepting of different ways that people do, you know, religion or or philosophy or diet or sex, all these different things have been have been. Um, I, I think it, people feel liberated, but then there's also just these moments of mass confusion where someone is so quickly blowing the whistle, being like, "That's wrong," and then someone else is like, "Is it wrong?" And then it's like, "Well, I guess we haven't really like." stated as a culture like what do we think right and wrong is at this point you know right right um you know you, you talk about those like like what, what i would I, I would call it most of the time intentional misreading of of someone's like opinions or or statements yeah. or whatever like it's like it's like the like I, i'll see stuff like that because you know i'm i'm 
I'm probably too following on of things politically on Twitter. And sometimes I have to remind myself to get off and go outside or something, but, but like, but, um, but you'll, 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 you'll see somebody intentionally do that all the time. And that's like the old trope of like someone saying, you know, I like waffles. And then the reply is, Oh, so you're a bigot against pancakes or something. And it's like one of those deals and yeah. it's like, that's a completely different topic, you know? But, um, but it's, it, it is, it's like that, like, well, especially you know, I like I said, I'm, I'm I, I pay attention to these things both on the ground and online with with politics and social issues, and you know, same thing with music, but it's on like serious issues where maybe someone will have this has happened to me before where where I've seen something from say something that you know like a, a democratic or what's considered a more liberal politician, and I'll see something they've said or something they voted for, and you critique it saying like I don't you know like this is why morally for me, or this is why I think this might be in the wrong direction. And then someone comes back and thinks that you're there for a, like, um, you're on the completely different side of the spectrum that you're like this, this like reactionary right wing, like, you know, terrible view on social issue, whatever person. And it's like, actually, no, I'm actually coming from the complete opposite side of that because I want things to be for the best and for, for like marginalized people and, 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 and instead you get into this pivot of people that might even actually agree with you on 80% of things, find the 20% and just tell you that you like, I got, I, I, the amount of times I've been like anti-war on something and, or, you know, being, you know, critiquing, you know, imperialism. And then since it was done, done by someone that's deemed a, you know, liberal champion or something like that, that, that I am there for like, you must be right wing because you're not okay with the Democrat going to war. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. I'm not okay with 46 bombs being dropped a day for 20 years from the, from the U S government or whatever it is. right? Right. Um, and, and, and it just goes to show that like, I don't know, like these, like there's such a toxicity there that, you can you can connect to what you were just talking about with music where like nobody really even it's just vapid right it's like just this vapid parasocial nonsense that like we're all we're all saying that and then what's what's really coming out of it nothing's coming out of it and it's just silly and obnoxious half the time right yeah and i i think that like yeah it is vapid i think it and it lacks a lot of imagination which i think is 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 a one element of how vapid it is like it's it's And I think people get so like, they just burn out their imaginations on that website. And they like, (laughs) I think a lot of times just like, it's just, it's, it's just not a very creative dialogue that you see people engaging in. It's it's turning very serious issues into like team sports, right? Exactly. Exactly. And so like the moment that you critique a Democrat, they're just like immediately like, therefore you're this, you know, um, and yeah, it's like team sport. It's just like their team's always the right team, even though the thing, you know, it's, I, I love the team sports analogy because similar to team sports and like, I, I, I love, I love like, you know, I've always grown up watching the Lakers say, and there's been times sometimes I have this funny experience where, you know, I'm like watching a Laker game and I'm hoping they win. And then I realize I'm like, I could, if I really wanted to just switch it right now, like I could notice <laughs> that like this guy on the Lakers seems like an absolute asshole. And this guy on, you say, the Nuggets that they're playing against seems really nice. And I could probably, like, if I really try to get myself to root for the Nuggets instead of the Lakers, because you realize it's kind of right. arbitrary. It's just like I was told as a kid, you're a Lakers fan. And I just mm-hmm. did it, you know, to, to fit in. Right. And then at some point, 
it's, it starts having like an emotional property to it, but you realize like it's totally arbitrary. And I think a lot of people do politics from that level. Unfortunately, they're not really critically thinking about like what they value and why they think that's important or like what they think will actually get to a solution. They're just told like, this is the right team, you know, um, and going yeah, back to absolutely. Christian nationalism for a lot of people, it is a very religious phenomenon, unfortunately. Yeah. I think so. And, and to, to the, to the team thing, I can empathize. I'm a Chicago fan and, and I, you know, I, I often think I need to switch teams just so I can watch them win at some point, but yes, you know, we're still championing the nineties and we're, you know, we're like 30 years removed from that, but I digress. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, like all that stuff is, is important to look at. And you bring up like what you just said there about values, um, that's something I, I really have respected about your music a lot to, to kind of go to the music a little bit is, you know, we're, we're talking about some of these things. You, you're clearly like people throw this word around, I think, pretty willy nilly. But you're, you're a person that, that comes off in your lyrics and things that I've seen you talk about um, online or in interviews, um, principled on certain things, like whether it comes to acceptance of marginalized people, you know, or or being, you know, or songs, you know, when it comes to policy issues such as like lower empire or something yeah. like that with with um imperialism um and war right um or or you know even going to native blood and just like thinking about like real history and the implications there that people just don't you know kind of whitewash in the most yeah. real sense right um where did some of that come from for you? And then we can, if, you know, if we, if it works in the conversation, we can kind of dive into a few of these songs in case people don't really know yeah. the ins and outs of some of these views and where they come from. Um, but where did some of those views really come from for you? Yeah. Um, well, I think, uh, I know that's a hard question. Like who knows where, you know, but yeah, no, I, I think for me, a lot of it started with, when I was like, so I want to say 17 or 18, I read a book called The Irresistible Revolution by Shane Claiborne. You're probably familiar with it. I think um, that was that was the first book that I had read. Definitely not the first written, um, though. Though one of the more I think widely accessed because it, it was so uh, easy to read and it was so filled with like examples and really just like heartfelt stories. Um, first book that I read that really just like sort of presented what I said earlier to me about, um, about the gospel being inherently like a political story, um, and, and not political in the like ridiculous partisan way that, that, that we right. were just kind of discussing with Twitter, but in the way you know, politics, meaning life of the city and, and, and the gospel really informing how we treat our neighbors and how like that, that's what, it looks like, and as, as a kid that grew up in a religious, uh, home and wanted to, you know, uh, I think did have a lot of positive experiences within religion, um, in, in Christianity, but wanted to like really understand what that meant moving forward as an adult. Uh, it just like resonated. I'm like, it's just one of those things that was just so true that I read it. I'm like, yeah, this is it. Like, and so that was really transformative for me. And through that, I, you know, kind of got into some deeper readings um, on the subject. I think that specifically Shane Claiborne heavily, heavily pulls from the politics of Jesus by Yoder. Um, and uh, 
yeah i i think just kind of realizing um that you know faith and justice uh were inextricably linked um right. was a big thing for me and so i i think that i that kind of just developed for me throughout college and i uh you know i grew up in like a small conservative pretty um pretty uh, not, not a very diverse town um actually it's weird it's in california but it's one of the more right-wing towns in in in, right. in america um, <laughs> um and that's a whole phenomenon but i i, I moved mm-hmm. to la and of course really just uh you know there's things that aren't great about la like say the traffic or the price the cost of living <laughs> or the smog right. and there's things that are great about la and the diversity of la is is such an amazing strength that like mm-hmm. i mean la is just it, yeah it's it, it, and so that was just really great for me to like learn how other people did life i i worshiped at a mosque for like a year of my life um i never really converted to islam i just kind of experienced like an interfaith dialogue, like within myself, you know, I wasn't going there being like, I'm a Christian, you know, like I want to, I was just, I was just like really uh, like listening to the elders of that community and watching how they did life and seeing a lot of really positive stuff that um, is less common in like American churches and really seeing that to some degree, I think their commitment and their closeness did come at the hands of persecution. Um, and hearing stories about how the, the federal government like persecuted them after 9-11, like it was an actual thing. They would have vans like parked outside their, their thing. They would have random people like getting like scooped up, leaving their, leaving the mosque, you know? And, and, um, so I, I listened and, and that really, uh, really, you know, moved me a lot. And, and I think a lot of, um, yeah, just, just kind of getting outside of my worldview, but also realizing that it's okay to also like stay within a tradition or to like hold on to important parts of a tradition that like, you know, on a gut level are good. I, I think, um, it's just so easy for all of us to really throw out the baby with the bathwater, uh, so to speak. Um, that yeah. is just a common error, uh, that like, no, you know, learning how to like, how to grow without overcorrecting is a challenge, you know? Um, yeah, and, absolutely. Um, that was one that took time, but, um, yeah, I, so I, I think that, yeah, through education, through life experience, through honestly patient friends, like, um, you know, I, I didn't like, I didn't know that I knew gay people when I was like in my like teens and until like my early twenties when friends started like being like, I'm gay and, and being like, Oh, like, you know, it, it, and like, that was important for me to like, not yeah. think of, I, I think for a lot of, um, religious people, they think about everything in such exclusively moral terms that a lot of times they don't mean to like, I, I, cause I do think overwhelmingly people can be, um, can really overly like kind of simplify, you know, religious people like, Oh, they're judgmental. They're hateful, whatever. I think a lot of times people don't know that they're sort of 
alienating people with their rhetoric or with how they see things because they see human experiences as issues. And so it's like, it's kind of like a categorical issue. And I don't know, maybe some people would say, oh, you're giving them the benefit of the doubt. But um, I, I would like to be someone that, if anything, could, you know, be some, be able to like, look at different traditions that are usually like seen as at war each other and being like, you really don't disagree as much as you think you do. You just sort of like, there's a lot of assumptions about language. It's like, it's like sitting through, man, I don't want to go on that tangent, but I used to sit through a lot of like debates in college. And then you just realize like debating so like usually pointless. There's a, I've sat through a few debates that were actually like interesting because they were more of like, constructive dialogues but a lot of times it's just people with different sets of languages sort of like using the words and they're not computing and so then they're, they're responding speaking, to uh, the words instead of the th- ideas <laughs> yeah they're, they're kind of speaking past each other yeah right like and i i i, I was listening to a, uh there's a there's a few like political you know like independent media figures that i listen to on a daily basis or daily basis not daily basis but routine basis and one of them put it well that people would ask him to debate on these issues or whatever and he was like i mean i'll do it like i've had fun doing that before but what it really is is the wwe of thought like it really isn't you know it's just people speaking past each other and a lot of times when it comes to serious issues it's who can like use semantics or who can you know, kind of what we were talking about with Twitter even before, where like who can like misread something intentionally to get a gotcha Just moment to win it. the debate? Yeah, yeah straw man it exactly. Yeah. Straw man it instead of steel manning someone's issues, trying to hear where they're coming from. Because if that's how debates actually were, we would maybe get something out of them. But that's just not what happens, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And it's yeah, yeah, man. That is like that is at the end of the day, that's like that's what partisan media is. It's just straw manning. Like it's like mm-hmm. you see it. Um, uh, like, like Fox news will take a clip of like, you know, some, some young college student with like eight colors of hair who's, uh, you know, like they're still learning and and they're kind of oversimplifying something. And then they say something really in a moment that you step back and you're like, that doesn't add up. And then, and then before you know it, it's like, this is what liberals are. You know, this is what they believe and stuff. And, uh, and you see it on, on the other, uh, you see it the other direction too. Um, Mm -hmm. though I think in the age of Trump, it it did get harder for for me to like really, it it, it did. I think it, I think the age of Trump was weird because, um, Trump brought in, I I just think to me, Trump was so obviously like a fool, like in the classic sense of what a fool is, um, Mm -hmm. that like, it, it did become hard for me to like, it, it became hard to like seriously debate like the, the, the merits or, or like really listen to people tell me about the merits of him. Cause I'm like, this guy's telling me that windmills are causing cancer. Like it just became so <laughs> right. It, 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 there's, not, there's a line. And there's just a like line, a one-off, right? yeah. but it just like, it became like daily absurdity to where it's like, mm-hmm. I'll talk about politics, but at a certain point, like I'm not going to debate the merits of what this guy's saying, because like we have like, 20, 30 years of like, just watching like actual sick narcissism and in it, it, but, but like, I am hopeful that for people that want to actually talk about like ideas or, or, or like specific issues and policies that there is still hope. And, um, I, you know, I, at least you like to think so, but you do also read the tower of Babel story in, in early Genesis and, 
wonder if that's like sort of a way of saying that like language is Sisyphusian. Like we're going to continue to try to like get to that mountaintop where we can see each other and we're going to, it's going to keep going down. Um, yeah, yeah, you absolutely. Because if, if you remember in the Tower of Babel, it's pretty weird. God says, let us go down and give them language so as to confuse them. Right. You know, like yeah, language yeah. is not a tool of communication. It's a tool of confusion in that story. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, about that it's a lot. Wild. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think about that too much, probably. Well, I mean, I, I think it even goes to, you know, because um, obviously like in, in that in that story and the the kind of metaphor of it or the analogy of it, um, it's, it's, you know, it's not only people speaking language, people speaking different languages, they don't understand each other to a certain degree and all these different things. Yeah. And I think like, I, I think like that's, that rings even more true with just, again, like, like you were talking about with, with just misunderstanding the semantics of what someone's saying or, mm-hmm. or not really getting where their head's at or whatever else. But like you said, like I, I've said this on this podcast a few different times when I've been able to talk about these issues with people that, that like, you know, or you said it earlier too, um, that people have so much more in common than they really like to even admit that they do. Right. Like, like you were just saying with the straw manning between, you know, Fox news or, or a liberal outlet, like well, MSNBC or CNN or whatever else is out there, um, that they constantly straw man each other. But like, if you, if you just like sit down with everyday working people, like I was having a conversation with somebody today that, that I know I, I identifies as a, conservative like right-wing person and yet we were talking about the you know the the issues facing um facing like farmers and and, you know small town farmers and the consolidation of corporate power that is like knocking them out of their livelihoods and and how hard it is mentally for them and like what the issues are and how no one's handling it and no one's like speaking up for these people and we had like a 20-minute conversation where we were in complete agreement right because we didn't talk about semantics we didn't talk about like what person you would vote for in a given election or some stupid thing you just talked about about things that matter (laughs) yeah right and when you do that with people like i don't know i mean there's like you just said especially within the last you know eight years or so people there are people that just have wild beliefs that like are kind of promoted out there bigger and bigger but for most everyday people like if you can just sit down and and communicate with them in an honest way and hear them where they're at i think a huge thing is just meeting people where they're at too not trying to scold them into what you view on every little issue yeah and not to say that you have to agree with an issue that they have a belief that they have that you don't agree with that's not what it is but it's just meeting people where they're at and showing positivity and and making real human connections and conversation and that's where like hopefully at some point that can lead there's a lot of barriers that you could talk about for the next four hours uh, on that but but um hopefully you know the hope would be that when people actually do that as opposed to just bickering and wanting to believe that they're in some camp of of belief that that something good can come out of it whether it's on a small scale communally or on a systemic change right like yeah um i think and that's just where real communication is is huge you know and i just think a lot of people miss that in the and the very chaotic times we're in you know what i mean yeah i think yeah I, I think people miss that i think people miss each other and i love that example of talking about farming with uh with your uh with your conservative friend because uh i think 
it's it's so true and it's man that's the tough thing that's i think a thing that's frustrating for a lot of people that watch political discussions like you and i might be who would be considered more on the left which in america doesn't really mean much anymore but um (laughs) right (laughs) i I think like i i can't help but like look at that and be like man if we could only like set aside the things that people are not going to change their minds on anytime soon say like abortion uh say uh um what other, I don't know what other things are super hot topic issues all the time. Um, but certainly abortion, prob- probably the one that the most like, like people just aren't, you know, cause there's a lot of philosophical concepts about what is a life and, 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 and right. also like what is free choice and it does freedom extend it to that discussion. But like, if, if you, if we could somehow put that aside long enough, for people to just like look at how corporations are completely infecting like every aspect of life and, and uh and like how they're completely controlling pol- the choices that are being made in DC and how corporations are really just like stripping people's rights from them and are really the that's what's running up wealth inequality more than anything and, and like if if the 90 like they say the 99 point whatever percent of people could just you know identify that and agree with that and i think it's frustrating because they we won't but it's like man it, like a lot of progress could be made we could continue to have our fights and our squabbles over these other things it would not everything would be mm-hmm. perfect but we would right. i think that like uh, working people would have a fighting chance at surviving in the next 20 years if if uh if people could seriously do that. But I think corporations who run the news, who, who own those networks do obviously, as we all know, have a vested interest in not really allowing working people to unite um, because that, that would be very problematic for them. And it always has been. Right. And that's, that's, that's even especially, I was having a cover, another conversation with somebody not that long ago where we're like, it's especially here. Of course it happens in other countries. Like, it's not like the U S is like the only place where these things happen, but you can look at like certain issues, like things going on in France right now, where they were talking about like raising pension, the pension age by two years. And with that topic and the rising cost of things and wages not going up, millions of people are in the streets. Like they're shutting down the electricity for billionaires and politicians. Like the unions are literally cutting it off and sending it to other places for free and like all these other things. And where's that on, where's that on mainstream media here? It's nowhere because that's, that media is owned by yeah. people that don't want you to see that. Yep. Right. So it's like, and that's not, that's sometimes I say some things like that and I feel like I need to get out a tinfoil hat and put it on, but it's not, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's real. just like, it's real. And, and if people saw that more often here, um, and we were just, I, yeah, so much of it is just what people see on a day-to-day basis. And, and I use the word vapid too much, but I think it's just really a word that describes a lot of media here. Like, it just it just pits things against each put pits people against each other with things that just ultimately don't matter or at least aren't aren't like the core of the problem. Like you brought up uh, uh, abortion as an instance of something that's very you know I would say like socially um per you know like socially dividing like on a, in a pure form like you said yeah. in a philosophical way. Um, like that would always be an issue for people, but but like all these other issues where people would connect on if that was talked about like 
there you know there's the argument of like it's kind of like the argument on on gun violence right where like people talk about gun regulation and this and that but if you helped people live in a better you know like if you helped people out of poverty and desperation and you helped people have access to mental health and if you helped people have all these other aspects and we would still have that conversation that conversation yeah. would still be there yeah but you cannot tell me that that actually doing those concrete things would not be of the benefit of cutting down on those those statistics mm. right and and yet that's not in the realm of conversation right like like that you know it's either you're 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 for this or you're against that and it's like well it's a lot more complicated than that and 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 studies show that and and if people were just given access to those more nuanced conversations from media rather than whatever gets them the most clicks or sells the most ads or, or whatever else, then, then we'd be in a much better place, right? Like if we got to the point where it was like, all right, nobody's starving and needing to do violence to survive, or no one's getting put down this rabbit hole to violence because of like a systemic desperation, like, you know, then it would be on a, I I mean, I, I'm not a genius Garrett, right? Like I'm not sitting here saying I have the answers. I'm just saying like, like there's so much nuance to these topics that is just never brought up on, you know, mainstream, the mainstream scope of discussion. Right. And that's where it's so frustrating. It is, it is. It's, it's sad that people pay for like intentional corporate fed disinformation, you know, like, yes. And and it's like, of course they pay for it. It's so on the nose, you know, like, yeah, right, right. (laughs) It's, it's, uh, whereas, you know, for free, they could, um, you know, just be like reading about the actual issues as they stand. It is very right. frustrating, my friend. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Um, well, thanks for talking about all this, Garrett. It's been it's been awesome. Um, I was wondering, do you, do you still have time? Or yeah. are you, are yeah. you okay? Okay, just I just never like to over overstep my bounds on the time scale here, but um. Would it, would it be cool if we talked just about a couple of your songs yeah, since yeah, we've been absolutely. talking about these subjects, if we talk about a few of these songs, all I right. So that. I figured I, 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 I've got a whole list of, of them here that, 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 that I thought would be good, but, but I thought we, uh, I'll maybe pick a few here, but, um, I guess from the newest record, uh, my favorite song in the record. Also, I guess it, it was a weirdly divisive one for you guys because you swore in it. It's so funny to me. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. but um, but uh, um, alive as a house fire. I was, you know, it's one of the songs that that um, you know, you're really kind of clearly talking about. I guess things we've already talked about it at length here a bit. But yeah, but um, you know, you're talking about different things regarding systemic issues and the United, you know, you reference literally like America in the, in the song and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, can you, can you speak to a little bit of what the inspiration was for that song and where, where, uh, where like what the lyrical direction of that song is? Yeah, I think, uh, I think so wrote it in the summer of 2020, which, uh, I feel like will go down in history. Summer of 2020 will like usually stamp mean, you know, the, Black Lives Matter protests or uh, maybe just in general, like people protesting um, unfair uh, or just the many policing issues in our country. Um, mm-hmm. And something that like, I've never said this uh, before out loud, but something that really honestly got it is um, there's like a, a lot of bands that I've toured with 
um especially like as our band grew and started touring with like bigger more like worldwide like touring acts um it became really common to see it became really common uh at that time this thing that that, that i had never seen before which is um I'm not going to name names. There's, there's a lot of bands that like have like internal policies. I know this cause they've told me, um, have like internal policies of like, we don't talk about politics in the band. Like I, I don't know exactly how, how far they go. Like, I, I mean, I, in person they can, but I mean to say like on the internet, like their bands are intentionally apolitical because something that I've learned very, <laughs> I, I've learned very seriously is, uh, you know, like h- hardcore is pretty like hardcore and punk are pretty left wing and pretty underground metal. And by extension, metal core, um, is actually like, I would say pretty like 50, 50, like probably yeah. like more like America, like representative mm-hmm. of the country where like, uh, there are, certain bands I've toured with who I know from experience have a whole lot of like cop fans that are like, like they're like, I, what one band I toured with, uh, I remember like there was a bunch of cops backstage and I thought like something had gone on and they were, they were like, Oh no, we're all just here to watch the the headliner, you know? And I was like, Oh well, God, yeah, that would be so unsettling. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I went up and asked them, I'm like, like, is there an issue or something? Um, and they're like, oh, we're just we're just here to watch, and they just get in for free, I guess, because they're in uniform. I don't know, but um, right. anyways, uh, and, and, and but it's not it just just yeah. I, it, I found it was pretty common that these bands um, who I knew were uh, yeah, like they, they had made a point of it to not be like political. Um, as it was a bu- it's a business decision. They were just like right, um, you know they they make enough money to like live comfortably and it is extremely extremely hard it's one it's one thing to like be a band and put out good songs and stuff it's another thing to like make a career out of music to like consistently yes. year after year bring in enough money to like live off of and some of these bands even like you know get a house and stuff or like support a family and stuff that's it's not easy um and uh it takes a lot of hard work and so i think a lot of those bands are just looking at it like you know like we're not gonna like talk about what we think politically you know uh, online or anything because like you know why risk living the dream that like less than less than a fraction of a fraction of musicians ever get the chance to like live the dream of doing music. Like why would we throw it all away just to like spout off our opinions, which, which as you know, every, everyone's doing that on the internet. So I, I understand like logically, like why they make that decision. Uh, but it is, it is funny because I remember one of them telling me that and I was like kind of trying to not like laugh or something, smile because like Uh. they know who I am. They know what I think and they know that like, (laughs) I, I, from the get go, like I'll say things and, and it's very common. People will be like, well, you lost a fan because of this or that. And I'm just like, sure. Like, like, d- d- what do you think I'm going to do? Like, like, Oh, sorry about native blood. I take it back. Like, like it's like, right. like, like I've, 
like I, I cl- clearly it's a choice that I'm making in our music. Um, and I'll, I'll, yeah, like I, I don't, I don't want to do music if I can't do it the way that I, that I feel called to do it the way that I feel like I can be proud of. Um, so, and I'm not saying those bands suck or they can't be proud of themselves, but right. Right. This is the funny thing. Um, when the horrific things that happened in 2020 starting, I, I think a lot of people would say the the fuse uh, went off when George Floyd was uh, murdered by, I think Derek Chauvin was his name. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- those bands that told me that they were so apolitical, um, they were posting Black Lives Matter stuff because at the time there was so much social pressure like the movement was so big that like they clearly People would get called out for they, not doing they, something. Yeah. They, right? they yeah. clearly realized that like they have to, mm-hmm. because just, just as much as it was a business decision to not ever talk about anything politically previous to then, if they're doing it now, you have to only assume it's a business decision. Cause why, why would you reverse a policy that you've had for more than a decade? Right. So, right. and so I thought that was really interesting. And I think that a lot of like, cause I think there's a lot of obvious things in that song, like me saying, fuck the system. Like I think everyone kind right. of knows what that means, but there's some more <laughs> subtle sort of references, I guess that I put into that song about this, like, well, I say at one point, like, will my anesthetized half-life still suffice to stifle what life we hoard till we die? We hide in the guise of benevolence until the system burns. And that, for me, was a critique of, um, like, artists that could basically just, like, just be like, oh, like, like I'm not going to say anything, so you can all just think that I agree with you or whatever. Um, right. And, and, and until, like, there's enough pressure, then I'll, like, post like a black square on my Instagram and then I'll go back to my, my policy of like not challenging social violence. Um, right. And I, I'm not like mad at those bands or anything as much as like, I just really was like, I, this is a fascinating thing that I think very few people on earth even know about. So, so I, I never wanted to like, I'm the you. This is the first time I've ever talked about it because you're right. really cool and why Thanks. not? I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> seriously, because because I, I didn't want to talk about it when we put the song out because I didn't really want that to be the point of the song. But, no, but you, you don't ask, want it like, to be stemming of that. negativity and yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, because I, I want I wanted the point of the song to be about the social ills and the larger thing. But I think in truth, a big reason why I wrote that and what I was thinking of when I wrote that was these bands these these bands of you know white dudes uh which uh um is you know pretty common in metalcore i uh you know who who kind of have this policy of like well hey we got a lot of conservative white dude fans and if we just don't really ever say anything besides like i mean they can be like oh you know like corruption system because you know both sides uh use those terms but if they can just really stay away from anything that like critiques things that they know are going on in our society, you know, those, those fans of theirs can be like, Oh, you know, these guys agree with me. You know, they can kind of just like live in that sort of um, obscure place. And 
and that's why I say like hiding the guise of benevolence until the system burns. And it's like, uh, the, you know, things can go downhill, but like no one's, you know, there, there's so many problems and stuff that like, no one's ever going to be like, this band's never political screw them. And I don't think that's the goal, but it is interesting that like, it's, it's just kind of the comfort of neoliberalism that they can sort of just be like, Hey, like, you know, Mm -hmm. I just want like these general terms like fairness and peace and whatever, but mm-hmm. without really putting skin in the game. And, uh, and then I, I was excited that we were in a time that people were so passionate about stuff and having real conversations that like, in one sense it is weird, I guess that people are like, Oh, you didn't post a black square. You don't care about the movement. Yeah, like yeah. I think like any times there's always, there's like corrections or like legalisms where people kind of like miss the heart of it. Um, and I think for a short bit of time, I was even hoping maybe these bands are going to start, like maybe this is just a wake up call for them. But I think it, it became the case that no, it was just kind of like they had to. Um, but I, I think that's a really interesting thing that things got so real culturally that these bands had to break decade long like policies yeah yeah that is super interesting thanks for going into that because that makes that song like you know i i'm I'm somebody that when a new record comes out um i i I like to dive through the lyrics just because like you never you know sometimes you, you might miss something when you're just listening to it or whatever else and that specific line i actually thought it was probably it works with that so but i i thought it was probably a critique maybe of like the bit it was it's the same exact thing of like the big corporations were like i had a fire stick on my tv at the time yeah and you know like amazon big letters you know black lives matter and right. on the front all the while they're like letting you know predominantly um or or or, you know proportionally more like like minority workers work in terrible conditions in a warehouse and die on the you know die die in the warehouse floor or something right yeah um, it's like like, yeah which black lives matter to amazon right like yeah yeah right right yeah no it's yeah or the yeah the 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 what was it the the Kylie Jenner uh, Pepsi commercial. Oh, the Pepsi commercial. Yes, you yes. Know. That was so bad. That was so and bad. It, ha- it happens um, every year. Like, I think it happens all the time when, uh, like, it's like Pride Month or, or you know, um, what have you. And, and, yeah, corporations are, like, doing the rainbow thing. And it's it's it sounds cynical, but I think we know it. I, I think it's further than cynicism. I think we know that the corporations are uh, – or it's a business decision. It's like, oh, right. you know, people people do want to see this. That you know, they did some polling, and enough of their list people will feel identified by this marketing thing. And, and that that's it's yeah. I, I think that that can sometimes get in the way of progress. This idea that yeah. um, things can just be sold so much that they lose their meaning, and then people forget. Like no, like these movements are do matter and they are powerful. Um, they're not just like things that are said. Um, but a lot of times I think that can lead to like furthering people's just sense of like apathy about real issues. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So again, thanks for going through that. That was really, um, that was really interesting. Uh, you, you brought up native blood. That was one of the other ones I wanted to go into. I know people probably know a little bit more about that one. That's when you guys have had out for a while, but, um, it's one that I think, you know, there's the recent things that, that came up. I say recent, it was probably last year. I don't know. Time is a blur, like I said before, but, um, where you continue to see things even up in Canada or in the United States of, 
of discovering you know, these, like mass graves and mass yeah. graves and and all that kind of stuff. Um, pretty obvious from the song title, but in case anybody, yeah, I do have listeners that might not have listened to your your band too much before dove into the lyrics. Um, do you do you mind saying just a little bit about what that song is about? Because it's also kind of like a historical context one that I think is 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 pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, gosh, it's been a long time now, but I think it was about, uh, almost precisely probably about nine years ago, I was in graduate school for my master's in psychology degree. And I attended a seminar led by a native American lady who was talking about cultural trauma in, in her tribe. And she was talking about how, um, um, how like trauma gets passed on through generations and was talking about, you know, just, yeah, the genocide of the native people. And I, I think I, I think like a lot of people, I, I was aware of that to some degree, just from like, it's pretty hard to ignore like a mass genocide on the continent you live on at some point. Right. Um, despite it, you know, not really being adequately taught in schools, but I, I still kind of knew about it for sure. And and then, but I, I'm listening to this person talk about in giving us like case studies with names, obviously not the real names of the patients, but uh, of, uh, you know, like the, the, the stories of, of the people that she'd worked with and, and with the work she was doing on the reservation. And that really made that, that come alive for me. And, um, yeah, really, really like, I just wanted to write a song on that topic because it was so real to me. And, um, man, I, that was a, that, yeah, that, that, um, that seminar really was a game changer. And, uh, I, I think it, it just kind of opened my eyes to some, to, to how like it's a lot of the, a lot of the violence is still going on and is still being perpetuated. And, um, you know, well, I, it, let alone with, um, with like the, de- sorry to me to cut, yeah. but like, you know, like with, with the current, you know, you can talk about, you know, you talk about cultural trauma and the current issue. I mean, you can talk about, I mean, with that today, I think a lot of people don't realize that in those communities, there's such a proportionally high, amount of deaths of despair, right? Like of, of addiction, of, of poverty, of whatever else due to things that have perpetually happened for, you know, since, since, you know, um, since the origin of this country. Right. And and you can see it perpetuate in, in real time still today. Right. Yeah. And I think that, um, there's, you know, there's, there's been in some uh, cases, you know, attempts at reparations. Um, but the, the sad truth, and it's not to say that there's like no meaning or use for reparations, but I do believe the sad truth of the matter is that like there's reparations, um, can not really be fully made when, when you, um, when, when you steal people's land and, and you try to erase their culture and you abuse their children, um, that, um, it's not to say there's no, there's no chance of growth or, or there's no future, but, um, it's, it's also not going to just go away. 
um right you know and it is passed on generation generally generationally and that was something that uh really yeah stuck with me and kind of led me to want to write about that that song that that, that topic. yeah it's you know it's, it's talking about the reparations aspect of that and not, i'm sorry that i'm going on some tangents here when i talk about these things but um yesterday i was learning about um kind of the cobalt mines in the congo right and all the different exploitation that happens in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. And you bring up reparations, and they're talking to this, listening to this independent news media outlet that if anybody, anybody listening wants to check it out, it's called Breakthrough News. They, they do a lot of for, foreign policy stuff and look at things from a very objective, or, you know, everyone's biased, but a pretty objective lens. And I'm looking talking it up about, right now. <laughs> they, 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 um, they were talking about, I forget the 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 kind of historian that they were talking to, but you know they're talking about reparations and all that kind of stuff. And you know people promote repara- reparations are a great. I think that needs to happen. That absolutely needs to happen. But like what he was talking about is like what number do you put on this? You know, like there is no number. There is no like there is no um, there is no like quantifiable number you can throw out there when you look into the history of this and the damages and the implications and just like, because it's not just about money, it's about resources being taken and lives, you know, like whole communities being exposed to, to uranium and, and like all these different things. And it's all for us to like have, smartphones and computers and everything that we use and there's no such thing as clean cobalt and it's just like this massive thing and you know he was talking about some alternatives of what they could do that likely in the current situation that we have globally will just not happen but but um it was just very interesting kind of the parallels there where you know you can talk about writing some wrongs financially but it's not just financial like you said it's cultural I like I like that phrase cultural trauma that like there's like you you can try to do the best moving forward, but that will never take back what's happened, I guess. Right. Not to be bleak. That's not bleak. That's just an objective thing yeah. to, to yeah. say, right. That's just reality, you know? And, and if people get mad about that, then they just don't like to, they don't like to a certain extent, like to face reality and look at a, look at something in a, in a true, ob- more objective lens. Right. Yes. Yeah. There's, um, are you familiar with Chris Hedges? Yes. Yes. I love Chris Hedges. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He, Um, I just discovered him like, gosh, uh, a few months ago and, um, just kind of became obsessed. And, and I, when I, I, I did most of the night driving on our most recent North America tour after our van crashed, I was like, I'm going to do all, I'm just going to do most (laughs) of this uh, night driving here. So I I started just doing late drives and I would, uh, just listen to his speeches, um, incredible command of the English language and, uh, just, yeah, amazing, uh, writer and, uh, orator. And, uh, he, 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 he would delve into, um, he, he, he did a really interesting job delving into a number of, of topics. Uh, but one thing that he would talk a lot about is, I don't know if he used it exactly this way, but about like, um, unhelpful optimism or like toxic optimism to this idea that like, things won't get better just because people might, you know, sort of embrace this like overly like, you know, like the Obama campaign of like hope. It's like, well, hope is empty if you're just going to keep selling people out to banks, (laughs) you know, like it's, 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 it's it's not, it's not even really optimism in a sense. It's just like really deeply cynical. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a really, that, that was um, something that I think a lot about. And so I, I think that when we talk about, um, you know, the, these traumas won't just go away. It's not to be pessimistic, but it's also to resist, like, resist, like, the gaslighting type of optimism that's just like, oh, you know, like uh-huh. this and this, and we can, like, we have to be able to say, this is, this issue won't be going away, but it doesn't mean you don't fight it. If anything, um, I think there's a spiritual practice of like finding hope in things that seem hopeless on the face of them, finding hope in the fact that you know that you're fighting the fight that needs to be fought and knowing that right. like, this is where, this is where you're going to use your voice and it's, it matters. And I think that, uh, um, this, this person who was giving a speech about, uh, trauma on the reservation and just sharing these powerful, powerful things really did impact my life. Cause I was like, wow, like this, they, they see it for what it is, but they're, they're, they're pledging their life against it. And, uh, that moved me to write that song. And so it's, and it's cool to think that if that song has been reached anyone or meant anything for anyone, it goes back to that person that is willing to fight, you know, this incredibly dark issue and to address it with love and helping people in the community. Yeah. And, and, you know, you've brought up cynicism a couple of times, like, you know, back with the Black Lives Matter topic and stuff. I always argue that it's more cynical to do maybe what those bands did or those corporations did to, to, I forget what the term is that people said. It was like elite capture or like corporate capture or something where like you take a social movement and then you kind of bastardize it for business needs right as opposed to it's not people can view things like these these topics we're talking about it's like you're you're so you know you're you're down and cynical on on the world affairs or on on history or on you know social issues political issues and it's like actually no this is talking about things the way they are and wanting things to be better and realizing again that i you know fake positivity or cynical positivity is not, doesn't mean that something like that, that is, that doesn't mean you have a better outlook because you think of more sunshine and rainbows on a given topic. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, I think a lot of, I I think that's been a common issue among a lot of different democratic politicians and people can kind of see through it. And if anything, that just gets weaponized by a lot of, um, I think on the other side, we'll end up getting just weaponized by, uh, more right-wing figures that are like, look at this, like uh, this obviously like glib response to these issues. These people are not, you know, you can't trust them. And, and then that just feeds into just outright pass uh, the outright cynicism of just like, well, you know, whatever you hear. I just heard the other day, someone say on Fox news, like, I, I don't see us running out of fossil fuels in my lifetime. And the dude's like 65 or something. And it's just like, like so he's probably saying that to his audience, which is yeah, also 65, yeah, 70 years old. And, right? And he's, he's like, Oh, he said it. <laughs> like, yeah, right. You, you right. I know, it's implied. Like Ben Shapiro does a better job of implying that it will yeah, affect yeah. us. But like this guy just kind of said it and it was pretty funny. I mean, like well, it, not, it was, it's dark, but it's also just like, I don't know. It's, I, at I, least I think, I think there's loud, something guess, to be right? said about being able to laugh about the absurdity <laughs> of things in, in our time 
and I think that's where like for me that at some point social media like Twitter just kind of became like ridiculous responses to ridiculous I've loved those I, I meant to say that to you earlier <laughs> when we were talking about Twitter recently like because again like I've tried I've actually made a point of spending less time yeah same it, but it's uh, dude it's, same. It's always no, that's a good point by the way like anyone listening to this don't spend much time on that thing like for sure if you want to check in for 15 20 minutes a day i don't think it's going to really negatively affect your life but and i say this from experience i used to wake up and just open twitter and like scroll twitter before i would like get vertical and start my day and i i read nonetheless it was like under some jordan peterson tweet um which which can be full of nonsense but some person's like <laughs> oh self-help thing and i was like clicked it and the person like listed a bunch of things and they're like don't open twitter for the first like two or three hours of your day and i've been like doing that and it actually has helped me so yeah anyways yeah. before we go into twitter I, anyone like listening to this i just feel like i should say that like don't, yeah, absolutely. Don't don't let that into your life too much because it can be really bad. <laughs> well, it, it can just shape your whole worldview into yeah. something it shouldn't be, right? Yeah. But but your your responses on things have been so funny because they're so dryly <laughs> sarcastic that like the replies are both people getting in on the sarcasm and people thinking you're absolutely serious and, you're agreeing, and like, like right wing people agreeing with me yeah 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 and i'm just like oh my god this is because like i i'm not i'm not as funny as that like i would try to do it's, something like that and it would just it was it's just so funny like it's like a I don't know the way it's even like all lowercase, no, no punctuation. Just like, it's, you know, just like, I don't know what it was, but I was seeing that the other day and I was like, that is fucking hilarious. It's, you know what I mean? it's, it's, it's like, and it's, I think it happens because like you mentioned nihilism earlier. We just, we're in like a deeply nihilistic period of, of culture. And I, I, I don't, I don't know if we go deeper into, into the black hole or not. Um, but like at a certain point it just became like a, like, yeah, like, you know, if, if someone's going to agree with you, they'll agree with you. Even if you're like literally making the most absurd straw man, or you're saying, you know, like the, like people on like right wing people on Twitter just being like, it should be required for everyone to say the national anthem every day before school. And it's like, that's like absurd. If you just think about it on its face, like, so what we're going to put five-year-olds in jail. Cause they don't like want to do it. Like, like, it's just like craziness, but like, it's, it's, um, I guess some people would say in a sense, it's that, uh, uh, what, what is the term that, uh, people, a uh, virtue signaling. It's like, it's, it's kind of the, it's like sort of the, like, cause you see it on like, or you'll see like someone, you know, like some like main centrist, like, like Democrat, like, like account that like speaks to preaches to people that were Republicans a year ago or something. That's just like, racism is bad. And that's why I vote Democrat or something. And you're just like, wow, that helps no one. Like racism is yeah. bad. Like, yes. What a hot take. Right? Yeah, like a hot take to get like a traffic or something. You know what I mean? And, but and yeah, you see the right wing yeah. versions of it, which like is like just like over the top, pa like patriotic stuff to the point of like mm. being like almost Ridiculous. like it's, it's hard to not think it's funny. And so I think when I say it, uh -huh. it's just like just to like agree with them and then like, you know, stipulate like, yeah. And so therefore, like yeah, we're going to, we need to like start throwing kids in jail. Like that aren't going to do this. And like, and then, you know, like see people like agree with you and you're just like, wow, like 
You know what I mean? Like it's, 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 right, it's, yeah. it's wild. Yeah. There, there's, there's some things I've seen like that where I've, I've, I've seen other people kind of do a similar thing where like, there's some kind of right-wing pundits that, I mean, the thing is about independent media, like the, the one I referenced earlier, breakthrough news, like fantastic. Like there's some people out there that like are crowdfunded that are yeah. really on the ground doing great things. And then on the other side of the spectrum of things, I mean, bo- both sides of the spectrum politically, but on the other other side, other side of the spectrum, like quality-wise, there's people that just have like, there's no way they believe what they're saying, right? Like, I'll be convinced that yeah. I'm looking at a troll account that has like 500,000 followers. Like the but Nick apparently Adams it's a guy. real, yeah, that's exactly who I was thinking of. I'm like, that guy has to be, that has to be like a deep-seated troll account. And then I'll look it up and he's done interviews and he's done all oh, that. And I'm like, is this like, like the- paid to speak at places? Yeah. yeah. In, in I particular- thought it was like a birds, not, birds aren't real type deal. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, you know? in particular, <laughs> I, I really... Yeah, he's an interesting one because a lot of them are just like like Tommy Lawrence or something are just like uh-huh. absurd and uh, not interesting either. Yeah, right? not interesting and just making like bizarre arguments or like during Black Lives Matter, like what are they even protesting about? It's like, Tommy, I'm pretty sure you could figure that out if you wanted to know yeah. why, because there was like a thing that happened and now they're protesting. Yeah. But like, it, like there's that kind of thing. But yeah, then there's the people that even go further into the insanity and you're just like, you start to wonder like if, if at at the very least, maybe they're more centrist and they think, oh, like the the further, you know, kind of the loudest voice issue that that the internet so often has, which is like, yeah, the loudest voice will win The, the person just like screaming, like, like obscene ideas about reality that that might be, um the best way to get attention on the internet, you know, cause to be, to be nuanced or something is like boring. Right. People. Right. Right. I mean, I, yeah, people want sound bitey things. There are three sentences that, that, right. that seem like you, you have it all figured out in a sentence or two. Right. Well, right. I, I, again, uh, I, I could talk to you all day. I don't want to take all of your time today. I really appreciate your, your time. Um, uh, this has been fantastic. This is probably my favorite episode I've done with somebody. Well, thank you um, for having me. Seriously. Uh, who yeah, have you done? Yeah. Who have you, you had so far? So, so far it's been, so I've done a couple local bands. Um, I've done uh, a few, I've done a political commentator and a community organizer out here in Chicago. Um, I just talked to his episode will drop the two weeks before yours. This one will be out in like two weeks. Um, I, I just talked to Benny from Avoid. Uh, that'll be out on Monday. Dude, um, I love Benny. Yeah, he talked about you a bit too. He was just like that tour was amazing. Like loved it so much. We talked Vinny. about that a bit. There's a guy. Um, there's a guy in Avoid Nick um, who is very thoughtful, and him and I had some really cool. Like I think we both learned a lot from each other on tour discussions about like U.S. foreign policy and stuff. And he. Oh, maybe I should try to get him on. He's here cool. Then, huh? Yeah, That'd yeah. Cool. If, if yeah. you're ever looking for someone, hit like hit up. Benny, but yo, like hook me up with Nick. Nick is very thoughtful and has a lot of really interesting perspectives on things too. But they're all amazing. Benny's one of the hardest working, sweetest guys I've ever toured with. And he's like a natural rock star. Like he gets on stage and like, he's just one of those people. Like, I, I think that like, I'm like a writer who is in a band. And so part of my job is to perform. But I, I, but like Benny was, is like born to be on stage. Like Benny is a natural rock star. I got that vibe from him because like, I was a little nervous cause I didn't, you know, I, 
I, I get nervous about these things. I'm still pretty new at this and you're doing a great job. I just come on. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. But, but, uh, but, uh, I, he logs on and he's just like, Hey, what's up? You know, just yeah. like so energetic. Dude, and I was like, so wow, infectious. that's great. You know, the, like, yeah. the, like every band wants to take a void on tour because they're in like, it's just a matter so of time. Energetic too. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, it's like, it's just a matter of time till they're like the band, um, that mm-hmm. like, is playing the huge rooms and stuff. Like I, I tell them all the time. I'm like, um, like that we, I had them open some shows for us last year. Um, and I, I just remember telling them like, uh, they're like, Oh, thanks for having us. I was like, just promise me that in like three or four years, you'll take my band on tour <laughs> because like, <laughs> I have no doubt that like, you'll be like playing freaking, you know, big 3000 cap rooms and selling them out. They've they're, got they're just, that like that arena. Yeah. They've got that arena energy. They do. You know? And it's um, cool. And they're they just great people. Awesome people. Right. Awesome people. They care about what matters. They like, I love them because it's like, there's, there's always been kind of the like fun party metal type bands. Um, and they're cool because they're that, but they're like, are like good people that care about right. like, care about marginalized people still and like I've, right. I've seen them like go out of their way to make venues like a safer better place for people and i'm just I, i'm really happy that that could be the future of like energetic kick-ass rock and roll metal uh and not like i don't know just they- like gross people <laughs> Yeah, that you can be like a, a party metal band and still be decent human beings yeah, that, that yeah. love people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that because we we didn't have that ten years ago no. too much, did we? Right. Um. And it's funny because Avoid's pretty outspoken about some of those other bands, which is an interesting thing too. But um, yeah, yeah. I um, man, dude, thank you for thank you for having me. This was really great. Um, yeah. Um. Before I before I let you go, one I know you guys put out that that last song signals yeah. last year. I got to do a little, got a little do a little bit of this normal normal interview stuff yeah. here for a second, I guess, right? Um, so you guys did, put out that song signal last year, which I it's so heavy, so good. I, I was you. like, God, this rips. Like the breakdowns and all that are like I don't know if I, the rhythms and everything I should say in that were just so so sick. Thank um, you. I know you guys have have teased a little bit that you're doing some. Uh, you probably can't obviously announce anything, but are we are we gonna see some uh, some more Silent Planet music this year? Yeah, there will be an is, album is that on by the end of this year. I don't know when awesome. exactly. Um, right, it's not done, and we, we got to go to Europe uh, pretty soon, right. so it won't be finished. We're not gonna have a chance to get back and finish it till after Europe. But mm-hmm. um, our goal is to be done making it like sometime in the spring so that it can be released um sometime later in the year sick so yeah. everyone everyone should be you know if you if you like this discussion if you like uh, silent planet and everything that goes on with the music which if you're listening to this you probably do um make sure to look for that new record by the end of the year i know you guys are going out with uh with era invent animate and sentinels in yeah. europe i do have a few listeners out in in europe as well so if you uh see that coming up i think it's february and march right that you guys are going out there um yeah so uh so make sure to check that out that's a sick lineup by the way i wish i I wish that was coming to chicago because i i would love to see all those bands together that's so cool i'm excited Um, i'm really excited yeah yeah that'll be really really cool um so again thanks garrett so much check out uh check out silent planet on all streaming platforms etc etc you guys can just google silent planet or go to their website uh i know garrett's silent garrett on twitter 
those are my quick plugs. Um, and is there, is there anything you, Oh, Oh, one thing I do have to have you, uh, do is I, I kind of ripped this or wait, there's, there's two things. I forgot about this. Yeah. If you have just five minutes. Um, I asked this question to Benny and I asked the question to the previous band that I'm going to put out a little bit later as well. Um, if you could, I'll just, I'll just do the tour one. I did two with him, but I'll do the tour one. If you could, um, open for, any or if you could have a three band package of any bands, you know, that would either make sense living, you know, going right now, um, or retired legacy, whatever. It could be anything from Mashuga to Tool to to Papa Roach to you know to yeah. whatever. I just named off some weird bands there, but you get what I mean. Um uh uh if you could do a three band bill for any bands, what 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 would you what would you do for a tour? What would be like your dream three band bill? So us and two other bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. have to be playing. Yeah. So you would, you could be the you could be the headliner. You could be the opener. You could do it whatever way you want. But um, but a three like dream three band bill for Silent Planet. I would say um, Deftones and Me Without You. Oh, Deftones. That would make a lot of sense with you guys I think too. De- I know Deftones Mitch is, and Me Without You probably. I know Mitch is a big fan of Deftones, and yeah. there's a lot of influence of that in the music and all that, right? Yeah. So and, and Me, me without, without You, you that's, for me, especially lyrically, yeah, is the number such a one. good band. I gotta. I haven't listened to them in a while. This is gonna make me go back and listen to them. They, now they after did this. just um, break up. I, I I flew to Philadelphia yeah. to go to their last ever show. Um, but yeah, but yeah. amazing band, amazing, amazing band. band. All right, well, that's 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 great. All right, Garrett, thanks so much. And then um, also, you. what song? What song would you want to play at the end of this? Uh, from 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 Silent Planet. Hmm. Well, I guess we'll just do a live as a house fire because because I feel like that maybe is the most relevant for this podcast, you know? Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. It works with it. Yeah. Um, thanks so much, Garrett. And uh, Thank all the best, you. man. Hey, appreciate it. See you, brother.